Well, good morning, and it's time to get on our ponies and let's ride through John 19. So if you have your Bibles, let's uh, turn to John 19. Heard a story on the radio this week, and uh, you probably heard it if you listen to 91.7 or 107.1. I'm not sure which radio station it was on. It was about a pastor who knew there was a lady being evicted from her apartment. This took place years ago in England, and he gathered with some friends to get money together to pay her rent so she wouldn't go to jail or be evicted. And as the pastor went to her door, he knocked on her door, and she didn't answer. And they called her Old Betty. I don't know if you heard the story. Old Betty was what the neighbors called her, and she didn't answer to the door. And so the pastor was leaving, thinking, well, I have the receipt to give her because I want her to see that her rent has been paid, and she's not going to be evicted. Well, as he was leaving, the neighbor said, where are you going, and what are you doing? He said, I'm the pastor, and I wanted to give her a receipt. Some of her friends took up money to pay for her rent. She's not being evicted. She won't be going to jail. And so they said, hold on a second. They yelled up through the window, Old Betty, it's the pastor, it's the clergy, open the door. And she comes to the door, opens the door because the neighbor called, and the pastor presented with the receipt, and she said, I almost missed it. I thought you were the bailiff, I thought you were going to evict me from my property, and instead you were giving me a gift. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that story hit home as I was studying, and I was going through recapping this week in the message that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and for me. We're talking about this week, uh, realize your redemption. She didn't realize her redemption. Her debt had been paid, and she had a receipt waiting for her, someone trying to give her a gift, the receipt. Same thing for you and me today. Jesus Christ is out on the cross. He was buried. He really did die. He really was buried, and he really did rise again the third day according to the Scriptures, just as the Word of God says. So today we talk about Christmas is coming, and and we know that we're on the Christmas season. Some of you are doing Advent calendars. We as Baptists typically have never done Advent. It's something new that was newer for the Baptist churches. Catholics started uh, Advent, Advent candles. And then the, it was picked up. Church of England does some of it. And then throughout the years, other churches have picked it up. But we don't have to necessarily count down to Christmas. If you do, something's, something's wrong with you. If you have to count down, need a candle to burn to remind you of the love of Jesus Christ. Now, what we do do is what the Lord gave us the ordinances to remember to do. And that was to do the Lord's Supper, to, to do this in remembrance of Him. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And to remember what He did for us on the cross and to remember that He's coming again. So this is what He left us to do. That was an ordinance or a command of God. <clears throat> also, baptism. Everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ should follow through a believer's baptism. Those are the two and only two ordinances left for the church to do some churches wash feet uh, they, they said that's and we will wash your feet listen if there's a case and time for us to humble ourselves before one another to wash one another's feet if we've wronged one another publicly i think we should publicly make it right but i would never make a specula spec, uh, specula i can't even say the word spectacle of washing someone's feet just to look like i'm humble it's a fake humility i think that's something you could do in private, but if, would we have a foot washing service? Yes, if the Lord lays it on my heart or one of your hearts, we would wash one another's feet. That's not out of the realm. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ did. So Advent, if somebody, several people have asked me about Advent. We don't do Advent. Traditionally, Baptists didn't even have Christmas trees till the turn of the last century. So there was no Christmas trees or any Christmas lights in a Baptist church. From the Puritan mindset, we, we kept just the Bible. But isn't this a beautiful, aren't you glad there's some traditions that change? It's a beautiful setting to remind us of the season. So if you do the Advent calendar, Advent candle, that's, that's okay and well. 
and, but that we don't do it as a church because several people have asked me, Pastor, well, how come we don't do the Advent calendar or candle? And it's because it's not a, a Baptist tradition and it's not a new tradition we want to start because that's, to me, just more money you've got to spend for a calendar and candles. But if you do it, that's all well and good. But for me, it's right here in my heart and it's a daily reminder as we read the scripture, as we go through the scripture, you know, and the Lord Jesus Christ really did for this for me. And I told you, as we come to church and worship together, we're reminded, listen, this is personal. This, this story is not just a global story, not just a historical narrative. This is a personal story for you and for me that we take from this saying, this is my story. My story of redemption is written right here in these pages. And the question is, will you receive or will you realize your redemption story? Let's go to John 19 and look together. John 19, we're going to pick up in verse 16. Really, let me back up to 13. I know your notes say 16. If you took notes, if you have notes, and, and I would encourage you to do something else as we go through this season. I just typed in from Got Questions, there's other places you can look for, how many prophecies did Jesus fulfill? And it goes on, for, and this is just a few of them, research how many prophecies Jesus filled or how many types Jesus fulfilled in the scriptures. The mathematical possibility that Jesus Christ would fulfill all of the scriptures that had to be fulfilled for him to be born, Right from Nazareth to be born in Bethlehem, to be of the family of David, go down the list to die on the cross, to die at Passover on a tree, all those things. It's mathematically, I'm sure there's a number out there, but for me, it's impossible. It, the specific details to happen. Even this week, as I was going through and recapping this message, because you get to read ahead, how many of you have ever, ever read John 19 by yourself? Just you've read it before. Well, have you ever heard Jesus, we're going to read today, he says, where I thirst. What's the significance of that? Because I knew that he was thirsty, right? And there's two scriptures, some people will try to mess with you and say, well, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one place says they offered him a strong drink, he didn't take it. <clears throat> that would be a sedative to calm him so they could nail him to the cross. And then John tells us today that they offered it to him, he asked for it, and they offered it to him, and he drank. So which is it? Did he drink or did he not drink? And the answer is, yes, it's two different situations. It's not the same timing. It happened at different times, but they're on the cross. So let's read today as we read John's version. And you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke's version. I gave you those scriptures as well if you take notes. Let's read together. Matthew, I'm, excuse me, John chapter 19. We're going to pick up in verse 13. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? Chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. We know we ha how much the Jews hated Caesar, but yet they called out that Caesar was their king. Now verse 16. Then he delivered, them to, then he delivered him to them, so they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing, uh, and he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and the, other, and the two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Verse 20, Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am king of the Jews. 
Verse 22, Pilate finally gets a little bit of boldness and says, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. 24, they said, therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose, shall, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. This is John talking about himself in a third person. Verse 28, After this, this Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's pray together. Father God, we have a lot of information here in this historical narrative, a lot of prophecy being fulfilled. Lord, help us to understand not just what happened and how it happened, but Lord, let us make a personal, redemptive look and Lord, how you did this for you, for us, and for, for me, and for uh, all the ones that are here today, and those who would listen or ever read this text, and Lord, that we might realize our redemption through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's look and see. Go back to your notes if you would. Even Pontius Pilate's decision to hand over Jesus to be crucified was the plan of God. And this is a note I put on here, and I want you to realize this, because you have one. He uses every story for his glory. Amen? Your backstory, you know, your story before Christ. Maybe you have a, a rotten story. Maybe you have a story of, hey, Jesus saved me when I was a kid, and he's kept me. I, maybe I strayed into high school or college, but he really brought me back in. He put the bumpers on, if you were, and he got me straight again. And that's, uh, listen, every story, God should get the glory, right? Because he'll get the good out of it. Even the cross is something we, we have hanging in our sanctuaries. We wear as jewelry. Uh, so many people get a tattoo. I, I don't know why you would tattoo a cross, but you know, some people do. And it's basically the electric chair. It's basically the most gross, grotesque way to actually die. And yet we, we bring here and we say, listen, we honor the Lord Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for our sins. Cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. Jesus was accursed for you and for me. It was your sin that put him on the cross. It was my sin that put him on the cross. So that day that he was nailed, everyone wants to argue who killed him, the Romans, the Jews? Who was it? And the answer is, yes, it was me. It's the person looking back in the mirror. That's the one who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. That's whose sin he died for. So he uses every story for his glory. Verse 17, you'll notice this. Jesus was led away by the guards to Mount Calvary, or Golgotha, or the place of the skull. It has different names, means the same. Even his humiliating journey to the cross was prophesied. Did you know that? Go back and hold your place. Go back and look at the way he went to the cross. Because the Jews had a custom that you had to wait 24 to 48 hours after a trial so that somebody might pop up and say, I have evidence, they, they travel a long way, I have evidence that he's not guilty, or here's more evidence to introduce to the case, just in case the person was not guilty, or there was more to the story. The Romans had the same process. They had days of waiting 
that they would actually, after you were sentenced to death, you had to wait a certain time to actually be crucified or to be punished like this. But you see the Bible, Isaiah is very clear. How he would actually be so clear is only because he read from the Word of God and, and as God gave it to his heart. But go back to Isaiah 53 and read with me. Just, just look at this, how the Bible is very explicit. Isaiah 53, would you there say amen? Beginning verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Your sins were put on Jesus Christ that day. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. How was he led? He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Go back to John again and the Bible says there in John verse 17 that the soldiers led him away, just like a sheep to slaughter because he was the what? He was the Passover lamb. The Lamb of God was being led by soldiers just as it was prophesied some five, six, seven hundred years before Jesus. It was exactly as the Word of God said. You think God had a plan. You think God had this foreknowledge of knowing exactly what his plan was and how it was going to be fulfilled. If you don't, you miss it. You, you, you have less faith or more faith. I'm not sure what you have, but you missed it. Now go with me, if you would, back to our notes. I want you to see this. And there's more in there because... Jesus went from trial to crucifixion. That was illegal in the Jews' custom, and it was illegal in Rome's custom. You could not go from a trial, guilty, to walk out the door and go to your crucifixion. There was no legal possible way to do that. Yet Isaiah said there in 53 that he actually went from prison to death. He went straight from the trial to death. Isaiah prophesied that, and that's what happened. He was all in one night, we, we talked about this, We're, we've been stuck on Thursday for a long time, haven't we, and on these passages of Scripture. This is all happening Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, y'all. This is a weekend getaway that the Lord Jesus Christ is dying over while people are there for the Passover, while millions of people, potentially two million people are there in town. The Lord Jesus Christ is at that very specific moment dying as the Passover lamb. As the blood is flowing from the ritual Passover lamb in the temple, the blood of Jesus Christ is flowing for all mankind. Not that he would cover our sins, but he would take away our sins. Every animal that was, uh, that was killed, sacrificed, was a blood covering. It covered the sins of mankind. But Jesus, when he died on the cross as the Lamb of God, he was a blood, if you will, he blood took away. It was a taker of sins that we might be forgiven forevermore. Isn't that good news? Let's look at verse 18. Jesus was crucified between two other criminals. Now, Matthew tells us this story as well, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. One on the right, one on the, on the left. Those men deserved their punishment for the wrong they had committed. Would you agree? If you read back, Rome did, typically did not crucify men who were not guilty. And they did it as a way that hanging in public places that people would walk by and say, Son, sweetheart, don't you ever cross Rome, because if you do... That's what's going to happen to you. And they would strip someone completely naked. There was no clothes. There was shame in crucifixion. And they would flog. As we know, they flogged Jesus. They beat him. They punched him with their fists. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They spat upon him. All that he took for us so that we might have eternal life and be with him forever. What a great God we serve. We look and see here that he basically did this for us. Those men deserved their punishment for the wrong they had committed. Jesus took Barabbas' place. And paid his debt. Sorry, old Barabbas, right? A thief, a murderer. 
Jesus took his place. But here's the good news. Jesus paid for everyone's sin that day. He paid for your sin that day. He took your place because what do we deserve? We're born into sin. None of us, no matter how good we think we are, no matter how much money we can give away, no matter how we help the poor or whatever it might be, none of us are good enough to get to heaven. The Bible says we are born into sin. If your mother gave birth to you, right, which all of our mothers did, amen? No eggshells around here, right? Nobody hatching out. Your mother gave birth to you, and therefore you're born into sin. You need a Savior. You need someone to redeem you from your sinful nature. And the Bible says very clearly, Jesus Christ was that Redeemer. Let's go back and look at Matthew. Look what Matthew says. Go with me over to Matthew 27. And, and I know there's a lot of Scripture to read, but we need to get at least some of this in context so we can actually remember this as we read. And, and I hope that you read it home and dig into this because, listen, you get to know your story. This is your story and my story. Go over to Matthew 27. We'll pick up in verse 27. Matthew telling the same story in a different way. He has a different witness. Matthew says this. When you're there, say amen. Matthew 27, 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to, uh, into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. We told you this was potentially 600 to 1,000 guards potentially that's here in this garrison or battalion, the Bible would say. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and a reed in his hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head or on the crown there. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put on his own clothes on him. And they led him away to be crucified. Verse 32. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place of Golgotha, that is the place, to say a place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but he had tasted it and he would not drink. Here's the case of when people say, there's, see, there's two things going on in the story. It's not, he's not ready to take the drink yet. We'll tell you why. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And of course, you know that comes from Psalm 22:18. Sitting down, they kept watch over him, and they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And as we, the two robbers, it goes on to tell us about them, one on the right, one on the left as well. They also join in badgering Jesus Christ. If you're truly the king, if you truly have this power, get yourself off and also us. Get us out of this. They're still looking for another free ride, even on the cross. And we know the rest of the story as Jesus dies, that one thief on one side, he basically put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Jesus told him that that very day he would be with him in paradise because he saw the evidence that was before him. What about all the other soldiers? You'll see that the soldier, the commander stands and says, surely this was the Son of God. All the events that took place from the earthquake, the darkness of the day, noonday, everything that took place, you couldn't help but notice the human side of all these people, no matter what their jobs or professions were, they could not help but know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Even the title that Rome put on his head was the King of the Jews. This was told of, to, to Pilate that he said he was. And Pilate knew that Jesus was something special. His wife came to him and said, don't have anything to do with this man. He's innocent. Pilate said three to six times, I can't crucify him because he's innocent. You take him. Pilate knew there was something unique about Jesus. But listen, let me tell you about Pilate. Pilate's name simply means this. 
of the Roman government, of, Roman go- of the Roman government, Pontius is of the maritime or of the sea. He undoubtedly was a sea commander or had something to live by the sea. But we know that he's a commander now. He's the governor, if you will, we'd call him in his territory. He knows that Jesus is something special. He knows that Jesus has spoke truth to him. He knows that Jesus Christ has said, you have no power over me unless it was given to you by heaven. Pilate knows this for a fact. He's talking one-on-one with Emmanuel, which we just saying means what? God with us. Pilate is talking with God. Pilate can feel the breath of Jesus on his face. He's talking to God that closely. He's that close. Have any of y'all ever been face-to-face with God? Has anyone ever seen the face of God? No. I don't care how strong you've been in your faith. You've never been that close to God where you physically can smell his breath or you can see his face. You can see his blood run down his face. You've never been that close to God. And yet Pilate's right there, but he would not believe. He would not realize his redemption. And so today we preach about a God we've never seen. We preach about a God, listen, we've never heard audibly. It's so hard. People say, well, that's why it's hard to believe. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you're standing face to face with the bloody Jesus, can smell his breath and see his blood, there's still hard hearts that you will not believe. Why? Because the heart of man is hard. We're sinful beings. And it means I have to give up me to receive him. There's people sitting in church, even right here today in our church, and those that are watching by video, that are watching my social media, they know all about Jesus. They can sing all the Christmas hymns. They can sing the Easter songs. They can shout hallelujah. Some of them are even preaching this morning from pulpits, and they know all about Jesus. And they can tell you, he is the Son of God, but they have not given all of them to all of him. Their story is not God's story. Their story is not one of redemption. Their story is one of church attendance. Their story is one of just making it by. And this morning as we come, listen, if you can see my face, I can see your face. Some of you are falling asleep because you don't care. Young people, old people, you don't care because it means nothing to you and you're going to die and face Jesus just like Pilate sitting on the judgment seat. Adrian was teaching this week and I, I thought through it as I was listening to him talk. Pilate sat on the judgment seat and washed his hands of Jesus' blood and says, hey, listen, his blood's off my hands. And the Jews said, it's on us. It's on us, us and our children. And yes, it is. How many Jews have died 2,000 years through the years? And they've all went straight to hell, and they were God's chosen people. They were set aside back in the day by the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. Listen, they were set aside as God's chosen people. But every unbelieving Jew, every unbelieving Greek, every unbelieving Gentile will go straight to hell if they don't receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You don't have to like that. That's just the truth from the Word of God. So listen, as we see this, and as it breaks our hearts, as we see the story here, Pilate's this close. How many people have walked into this room today, or all throughout all the years? Town Creek's been around for, since 1859. How many people have walked in the doors of just our church and been that close to Jesus? They've heard a sermon, they've heard a truth saying, man, I know that's true. Their heart says, this is true. The Spirit of God within them says, this is true. And they walk out those doors and go back living the way they used to live. Not caring, not thinking, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Listen, now is the time, the acceptable time to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you wait another Christmas? Why would you go another season? Why would you go another minute besides saying, listen, Lord Jesus Christ, help me realize my redemption through your blood. 
Now, if he just died, it's, that's, a lot of people have died, right? Every, all of us are going to die. But the Bible says that God raised him from the dead in three days. We know Friday's bad, but Sunday's coming, amen? And we know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We serve a living Savior. Mark goes on to tell us, Mark 15, more about this man, Simon of Cyrene. A lot of people want to take the message to say, well, where was he from? He was from Libya, so he'd be part of Africa, the continent of Africa. Was he a black man? So many people say, well, look, we've got the Jew, we've got uh, the Romans, the white guy, and we've got the black guy here. We've got them all together. It's not about that. It's not about race, even though it tells us about him. He's very specific. And listen, I think he had a blessing because the blood of Jesus Christ, when Jesus fell, could not carry the cross longer. Simon of Cyrene, which he's very much probably was a black man of northern Africa, he, could not, he carried the cross for Christ, either with him or for him. The blood of God was all over his face and his neck and his back. Do you think the man believed? We can't help but think later. Paul mentions the, the one that Mark says was his sons. There's, the Bible talks about him again. That we believe this man believed. He was just coming out of the country, passing by, and the Romans grabbed him and said, you're going to carry the cross. Well, it's kind of cool if you want to make that picture. that we got a white guy, a black guy, and a brown guy right here together, don't we? And they all must come by the same way of the cross. No matter what country you're from, no matter what your nationality is, listen, and we know Adam and Eve is our grandpa and grandma. We know that to be true. And God's got, he's an artist. He put us all different colors and all different backgrounds. But brothers, listen, let me tell you this. It doesn't matter where you're from, how wealthy you are, how poor you are, you must come by the way of the cross. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He said himself, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He was talking about that realization of our redemption through Jesus Christ. He bought us back. We were made in his image. We were made perfect. Adam and Eve sinned, and therefore they were separated from God. They had to kill millions of animals through the years. And then, lo and behold, this Passover day, God said, this is the time I'm going to do it. This was my plan. And the Lord Jesus Christ died that day for our sins, and he was resurrected three days later. You can't talk about the death on the cross without the resurrection. Never talk about a crucified Christ without a resurrected Christ. Amen? They don't, they're not inseparable. They don't go opposite of each other. You can't, listen, a, a dead Christ is just a dead man. Amen? But three days later when he rose from the grave, listen, a resurrected Christ says he, he can even laugh or sniff at death. He has the keys to death and hell. He has all authority on heaven and in earth. This is the God that we serve. Let's go back to our notes and see. All that Jesus suffered, he suffered for all of humanity. This includes you, my brothers and my sisters. His great love was his motivation. Jesus loves you. We tell children this when they're little. For God so loved the world. Do you know who said this? Do you know who recorded when we say this passage of Scripture? It's in red in most of your Bibles. Jesus himself said this. This is God, Emmanuel, speaking to his disciples and speaking to everyone who would listen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He only had one that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is a hope and a truth found only in Jesus Christ. We must be telling this story at Christmas. Let's continue. The soldiers, the sol let me go to Pilate. Sorry, verse 19 through 22. Pilate knew who Jesus was. Would you agree? No argument. He, he went back and forth multiple times. He was afraid of him, the Bible says. He made sure the Passover public knew who Jesus was. 
but he probably rejected Jesus. He was almost persuaded. How many people in authority, how many people with nice riches, how many people were just that close, they're almost persuaded. King Agrippa, the same way. Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. We can hear this our whole life, we get a hard heart, and we say, I just about went forward today. I, I just about gave my life to Jesus Christ today. There is no just abouts in the kingdom of God. Tom and Jerry used to say, either you is or you ain't, right? Y'all remember the song? My baby was the rest of the song, but either you're in the kingdom of God or you're not. Jesus himself said, you're either a son of God, a daughter of God, or you're a son of the devil, daughter of the devil. Wherever, if you're a son of God or daughter of God, you're going to heaven when you die. If you're a son or daughter of the devil, when you die, you're going where the devil's going. And where's the devil going? Hell. No, where's the devil going? Do you not know? How about we say it like we believe it? If you're a son and daughter of God, where are you going when you die? Heaven. If you're a son or daughter of the devil, where are you going when you die? You're going to hell. We don't like to say that because it makes us feel guilty and dirty. And I got family members I haven't told about Jesus or I myself had not received the Lord Jesus Christ or hell's a curse word, Pastor. And children, let me tell you, hell is not a curse word. Hell is the redemptive fire that God made because if man rejects his free gift of salvation, then you can go pay for it yourself for all of eternity. Heard a pastor preach this week that actually when you go to hell, final, the lake of fire, you just dissolve and you burn up. That's what he preached, and he was, he was given a reason why he believed that. Jesus said the fire that burns. Listen, he talked about the fire that Go to read Revelation for yourself. It's a non-ending fire. It's torment. It's the place of torment. It's a pay, place of payment. You, you want to earn it yourself? Then you'll have all of eternity to work on it, and you'll never get one inch closer to God because you rejected his Lord and Savior, his Son, Jesus Christ. Christmas is a scary time, y'all. Christmas is a time of judgment. God sent his son to the world that he might save sinners. And you were born a sinner. Whether you like it or not, no matter what your pedigree reads on your paper, you were born a sinner and you must receive Jesus Christ as Savior in order to get to heaven. There is no other answer. There is no other way. So many people are trying to say, well, yeah, but I believe if you believe anything contrary to the Scripture, you are a false prophet going to hell. Come on and make up your own way. Listen, this isn't Burger King gospel. You don't get to have it your way. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's continue. The soldiers unknowingly fulfilled ancient prophecy by casting lot for Jesus' tunic. Psalm 22, go back and read it. It's all about the prophetic word that what was going to happen to Jesus. Psalm 22, put it in your notes. They didn't know they were fulfilling Scripture. They're just a couple of ignorant soldiers playing gambling right there and usually there was typically four soldiers that's why there's four they're, they're casting lots they're throwing rocks we'd say throw and die today to actually hey, let's, let's, let's gamble or we'd say they're playing rock paper scissors they just had rocks no paper no scissors right rock 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 who wins but they didn't they divided his garment but he had this tunic Jesus had a tunic I don't have time to preach this today but go research this his tunic was sewn from bottom to top if you look, there's only one prescription for someone to have that type of tunic. You know who it was? In the Old Testament, it was the high priest. Jesus, the Bible says, uh, Derek just read this morning, he is our what? He is our high priest. He was and he is our high priest. So he had the high priest garment. They're like, hey, don't tear this one up. Let's gamble for this one. And that's what they did. Somebody walked away with a high priest garment, a very expensive garment someone had made for Jesus Christ. 
Someone who knew, had an insight, that listen, this is the king of kings. This is the king of glory. This is our high priest. They made him a high priestly garment. He had that on. And go study that on your own. It's pretty awesome to read that, the prophetic words that the, the Lord puts in here and the, the types that God puts in here. Verse 25 through 27, in his death, Jesus cared deeply for his mother. He gave charge of her to John, his beloved apostle. John cared for her in his own home. We go to the place and say until she died, we would believe. So Mary, listen, Mary was such an important tool. She was a vessel used of God to bring about God's plan. Mary was simply that. She was a sinner in need of a Savior. Mary gave birth to Jesus, and Jesus had to in turn give birth to Mary. Sounds weird, doesn't it? John 3 said, you must be born again. Nicodemus, a very religious man, came to Jesus at night and said, listen, we all know in the Sanhedrin that you are from God by the miracles you're doing, the things you're doing. And Jesus said, I tell you, you must be born again. Nicodemus was like, what? Can I go back into my mother's womb? Very sarcastic, grotesque question. And Jesus said, I'm trying to tell you something that's spiritual. Your mother gave birth to you. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit must give birth to the Spirit. You must be born again. A lot of our friends, especially our Catholic friends, don't want to talk about being born again. Don't talk about being born again because that means, listen, watch this. Y'all do watch, and this is kind of gross, but I'll do it. My mother's right here. Did you give birth to me? Okay. So she gave birth to me. And by the way, she was told to abort me because I was causing all kind of problems before I got here. Right? That's why I'm very, I'm pro-life because I'm a Christian, but I'm very, very pro-life because my mama could have made a choice. Back when all this was heating up back in the day, I'm a product of her making decisions saying, listen, I've lived a life, and therefore let him live. So I'm grateful forever to my mother. But imagine this, when a baby, anybody ever been in the room when a baby happens? It's the most gross thing on the planet. Well, I remember, Wendy, when Alex was born, my firstborn, I was in the military, I'm 20 years old. I'm sitting there waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and she gives a natural birth that comes quickly at Fort Gordon down here, and uh, we were home on leave, and I, had, I was in the Navy, had an Army baby, right? And so she gives birth, and, and there's women just popping babies out left and right. It's happening all over the place, and if you've ever been in an Army hospital, the way it used to be it was just pull a curtain. So I could hear that woman scream, that woman scream, that woman scream, that woman scream, and then I heard some language I've never even heard in the Navy. Said, So I'm waiting on Wendy, Wendy's like, this baby's coming, and of course he, he comes, and she says, what does he look like? It's the first thing a mother wants to know. I've always been somewhat honest, and I said, he looks like an alien. <laughs> wrong thing to say, guys, young dads, don't ever say alien. That's a wrong choice of words, and don't wipe your wife's forehead and hair when you're trying to, when she's uh, trying to give birth. But as the birth happened, as the baby comes forth, as the baby comes out, new life happens. Would anyone disagree and no matter what our latest Supreme Court judge that just got put on, no matter what crazy congressman, no matter what leader says, what's a woman? Can't say. When does life begin? Can't say. Well, the Bible tells us clearly. A woman's an adult female, by the way. We've told you this before. And a man's an adult male. And life happens at conception. You become a human the very day that the seed comes together. No, I mean, you'd have to be a complete ignoramus not to know that, right? But these are highly educated people saying this. Well, so we understand when the baby comes forth, there is a new birth. Would you agree? Whether you have a certificate or not, there is a 
birth. Same liking when Jesus said, listen, you must be born again. There's a giving of birth. Why I said Mary gave birth to Jesus, and then in turn, really, the Holy Spirit had to give birth to Mary. She had to be what? Born again. She had to receive the truth that Jesus Christ, the one she carried in her womb, was the Messiah, was the Savior, was the promised one. How much faith does she have to have? Even his brothers and his sister, we know that Jesus had those. The Catholics talk about the Immaculate Conception, that she was forever a virgin. She was not. They had other sons and daughters, and they were not born miraculously. They were born naturally. At least sons and daughter we know of. Jesus had brothers and a sister. So when we talk about Mary, Mary was a chosen vessel, but she was not to be worshipped. She was not to be lifted high. She was simply a vessel of God. But brothers and sisters, can I tell you something today? So are you. So are you, and so are you, and so are you, and so are you. He comes to you and lets you, offers you the free gift to realize your redemption. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says you've been gifted or anointed by God with at least one spiritual gift, and your job is to go reproduce. Go tell it. Go tell the story. That's why we sing in church about Christmas. And I'm with Mike. I don't like most Christmas songs because they don't tell the whole story. And I guarantee you there in that stinking cave, there's a lot of animals, a lot of poop, a lot of screaming. Jesus is crying. The cows are mooing or lowing, and all that mess is going on. It was a nasty, nasty night. Somebody needs to write a true story. It would probably end up being sound like a rock and roll song because of so much activity that was happening. Yes, there was peace on earth because... The peacemaker, the prince of peace had come. But it was still natural. Everything was normal. It smelled awful in that place. Let's continue. That's another ster- a sermon coming up here shortly. But Jesus cared for his, deeply for his mother. He loved her. She was his mother. And then he put John in charge of her. And this woman here, I don't, husbands, young, wives, young husbands especially, don't say this to your wife. Because I used to call Wendy woman. and it, we, we joke around sometimes. Woman, don't say that to me. She's like, don't you talk to me like that. I'm like, I'm just saying what Jesus said. This is like we'd say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He's having very, he's endeared to his mother. He loves his mother, and he gives his mother to the disciple that he loved, and vice versa, so that she would be cared for. Isn't that amazing? And all this crucifixion story, this whole big historical narrative that's happening, this forwarding plan of God since the beginning of the earth, that Jesus would take a break just for a second and say, Mary, John, John, Mary, take care of my mama. Does that blow your mind? The love of God. Let's continue. Verse 28 through 29, Jesus, he was, as we know, where was he born? In Bethlehem, which means what? House of bread. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You need the bread, unleavened bread. He was without sin, so unleavened bread is without yeast. I told you, yeast in the Bible represents sin. So Jesus was the unleavened or the non-sinful bread of life. Get it? And then he also was the Passover lamb. But there's, I told you there was one thing missing. Do you know what was missing? If you go back and look at Exodus 12, 1 through 14, especially verse 8, there's one thing missing. You have the bread, the unleavened bread, Jesus, the bread of life. You have the Passover lamb that was to be consumed completely. Can't break his bones. Why couldn't you break the Passover lamb's bones? Somebody know? Because God said so. Okay, good. And then uh, was and it was prophesied that Jesus' bones would never be broken. Remember that while they pierced him in the side with a spear? Why? He was already dead when they came by. 
The other two guys, they took clubs and they broke their shins more than likely and they dropped down with broken bones because it hurt so bad to push up and they, of course, suffocated and died quicker. Jesus Christ, the Bible was prophesied that his bones would never be broken because he was the Passover lamb. And God said back in Exodus, don't you break the Passover lamb's legs. Don't break any of his bones. Roast him and eat him. Right? Consumed. Completely consumed. So there was one thing missing and the thing that was missing was the bitter herbs. They would eat unleavened bread, Passover lamb with bitter herbs. This was not supposed to be a savory lamb chop dinner. This was something that you're eating quickly and the blood, apply the blood over the doorposts. So when you walk by, even if you were outside late before the death angel came, you would walk by and go, they're covered, they're covered, they're covered. You would look over the doorposts and see they put the blood on because they believed what God said. Here's how we do today as Christians. The Bible says, don't judge me. Has God already made a judgment call today on every human? Does he know who's saved and who's not? He does, but we don't. But the Bible says you're known by your fruits. So when we walk by and somebody says, don't judge me, we go, mm-hmm. I heard somebody talk like that, and they were not Christians, right? Can you sin after you're saved? Yes. So it's easy for us to have a 30-second encounter with someone and say, they're not saved. People are lost. You can't tell from that. That's just our judgment, which is sinful. But the Lord knows. And if you have a habit that you repeat over and over again, Romans 1 says these type of people, you go read those people, they, they worship the, cre- the creation more than the creator. They have a form of godliness. There's people in 1 Timothy chapter 3, but they deny the power thereof, have nothing to do with those people. The Bible says, look, you're known by your fruits. That's why we should live, as Mike talked about earlier, a godly life. People are watching you. People are listening to you. People want to know the Savior that you say that you know. But if you just sing it on Sunday and you act like the devil Monday through Saturday, listen, I dare say you're going to heaven. You can't fake it till you make it. You must be born again. And when you're born again, you can't help but live, especially in the Spirit. Go look at verse 8. This is what happened. So Jesus does this. He says in verse 30, And this is what I put in your notes. Jesus was in charge of all things. He even controlled the time of his death, didn't he? Isn't that amazing? He said, I thirst. And when he said, I thirst, they gave him that bitter, sour wine. And here's the bitter herbs. Here's the the fulfillment, if you will. You got the bread. You got the lamb himself. And then the bitter herbs that he takes. And he fulfilled what God commanded in Exodus chapter 12, Exodus 14, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, and other places, that he fulfilled the very promise of the Passover, the very commitment of the Passover. And then when he took those bitter herbs, he said what? Your Bible says it and your text says it. It is finished. It is finished. God's foreordained plan was completed that day on the cross. Some 2,000 years ago, a little over 2,000 years ago. Here's our issue today. Do we really believe it? We can be like Pontius Pilate and believe that he's Son of God, Son of Man. We can believe that he's a high priest or priest. We can have all the knowledge that you can ascertain through this life. You can have multiple degrees. There's so many people that are in seminaries and so many people with PhDs plus that know all about, they have degrees in religious studies. How many of y'all, even USC Aiken has religious studies and they're so doggone far away from God, they don't know if, if it was a rock. If you hit them in the head, they wouldn't recognize it was a rock. Our secular schools are teaching religion. And that's all they're teaching. And they're teaching false religion. 
And when our kids try to stand up for what they believe, they try to shame them in the corner and tell them how ignorant they are. Brothers and sisters, equip your children. That's why church is important. You come to be trained in the Word of God so you may go out and show forth the Word of God to the world. That's what's wrong with our society. That's what's wrong with our churches. That's what's wrong with our state. That's what's wrong with our government. Listen, everyone is denying God. They say, I believe in God too, but they deny the power thereof. They're far from God. We are far from being a religious if you will, a Christian nation now. We don't trust in God. We trust in ourselves. We've made ourselves the God, and therefore we say, in God we trust. It's like, I trust me and what I can do in my stuff. Let me challenge you today as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Listen, this is remembrance of what he did. Remember what he did. But you're wasting your time if you just know it by heart and by head. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said, I want all of him and here's all of me, we, we liken it to jumping into the deep end of a swimming pool. All in. I belong to Christ. He belongs to me. I'm different. I speak differently. I act differently. I've still got sinful hang-ups and, and behaviors that our Lord works on over and over again, right? Stop that. Take that out. Don't say that. Don't act like that. Don't do that. God's constantly trying to make us more and more like Jesus. That's his goal. After we give our lives to Christ. Here's my question to you today. Have you giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If Jesus comes back today, is he taking you with him? Only you know, you and God. No one else does. Look left and right. Look around. That's when we get all cramped up and uncomfortable. Look left and right. Who's going to hell in your pew? Who's going to hell in this pew? Who's going to heaven? The answer is, we don't know, except our individual selves, right? I know where I stand with God, because of Jesus Christ, not because of anything I've done. That's for all of us to know. Listen, we're going to pray, give you an invitation to come, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And if you, we're going to ask the deacons to go ahead and make their way here as we pray during the invitation. I'll be in front of the table. Mr. Mike will be here. And then together, listen, we'll celebrate. And then we'll go out those doors saying, we know that God lives forevermore. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. And Lord, as our hearts are stirred and reread these passages of Scripture, Lord, we run out of time trying to get all the information. And, Lord, all that you did, all the prophecies you fulfilled. And, Lord, it leaves us wanting more. And I want to know more. And not just to know, but I want to know you more in the power of the resurrection. Lord, I want to live holy as you command us to live holy. I can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the blood that was shed for us, Lord. And I pray if there's anyone here today that's never given their heart life to Jesus Christ, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would not go through another Christmas season. They would not go through another Sunday, another Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. They would give their heart life to Jesus Christ and then, Lord, enjoy the fruits of being a Christian, that they might bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen.